I'm looking forward to starting a a short new series on prayer and looking at the example of Jesus in prayer because I believe that all of us want to pray better. I believe that all of us want a better prayer life. We, We want a better depth to it. And I don't know that we all know how, because that's the way I feel. So how? How do we how do we improve in prayer? How do we grow deeper in prayer? How can we have a better relationship with God in our discussions with Him in our prayers? I believe that our prayer life many times looks like the fire extinguisher glass box that says, in case of emergency, break. And that's kind of usually what happens is that it's not a regular thing that we do. It's a panic situation in life, stress, fires going on in our in our life. And so break glass. What are we going to do? We got to call up something to God and we don't know what to say, don't know what to ask for, or how to go about it. And so what we're going to do is just spend some time then in the teachings of Jesus and talk about how we can improve our lives and and how we can get better in praying to God and look at how to do it regularly. A couple of things that are interesting about Jesus' prayer life is that he, he spent a lot of time being alone in prayer and getting away from the crowds to be able to talk to God. And and that really I would think should make an impact in our minds because if you would think that it would be so important for Jesus in his limited time on the earth to spend as much as time possible being with people to teach them the way of God. And yet even he, in the imperative of needing to be around people, withdrew to the wilderness to pray, would go up on a mountain to pray, would send the people away and pray. That should really be powerful to our minds that, wow, this is something really important. I really need to be able to stop my schedule, to be able to slow things down in life every once in a while, to be able to talk with God. As even Jesus, when you read the Gospels, you see the chaotic times that he's going through. He's with the crowds, he's going here, he's going there, he goes across the sea and preaches, heals a demon, goes back across the sea, they're trying to make him king, you've got all of these things going on. It was a very hectic life, and yet he would stop and pray. Tell the disciples to go away for a while so he can pray. Go up on the mountain to pray. We pray all night, go into the deserts to pray. And I think we want to do that. I do think that that's something that when we talk about prayer, it's not like we're, we sit in here and go, well, that's just not for me. I don't care. We want to be able to have a good prayer life. We want to be able to improve that and have the same thing that we see Jesus doing. But we don't know how. What do we say? How do we do it? How, how should we do those things? And so that's what I'm building this series on, is really how to do better at that. How can we talk to God in prayer? If you'll open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, that's where we're going to spend our time this morning. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at Jesus' teachings on prayer and probably in a different way than you've looked at it before because it's a different way than I've ever looked at it before, and I'm excited to uh, share some of the things that I think we see Jesus trying to communicate about prayer. In Matthew chapter 5, and in Matthew chapter 6, and beginning in verse 5, you'll notice that Jesus begins by teaching us how not to pray. And I think that's 
that's kind of funny in and of itself, is that uh, it's, it, you can do it wrong. We, we can go about it in wrong ways. It's, it's not just simply obvious that you just wake up one day and know how to pray. It's not like you come up out of the waters of baptism and you're a professional prayer and you've got it all figured out and know how to do it. Uh, even the disciples, as they would spend time with Jesus, there in Luke chapter 11, they'd ask Jesus, well, uh, teach us to pray. Explain this to us. How do we do it? And so you have Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. He says, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. Uh, the first thing that we really could pull away from what Jesus reminds us about prayer is that praying is not about what others see us doing. It's not a show. It's not to ensure that other people hear certain things about how we say it and make sure we get you know, a good pat on the back of, wow, that was a really great prayer. You know, things like that. It's not about that. It's not about what other people are going to say about the prayer. It's about a conversation between you and God. And here he makes the, a very important point. When you pray, don't go and always have to do it in such a way that the only place you pray is in public, but take time alone. And I hope the only time we pray is not just I hope that the only time we pray is not only going to be just here, but that we're praying at home. And that when we pray at home, it's not just because it's dinner time, but because we want to talk to God. We want to build a relationship with Him. We want to speak to Him and explain things to Him and, and draw closer to Him. And so prayer is not just simply something for other people to see. It's not just simply public statements. It is something that you are to do by yourself. And that in and of itself takes a little bit of practice, that takes a little bit of work. And, and one of the reasons why is, you know, the first few times you pray, do you, and maybe it's just me, I feel kind of silly because I'm by myself and I'm, you know, is anybody hearing this? I'm in a room. <laughs> I don't see that I'm talking to somebody. And it's a, a little bit of a, a mental bit on our part to realize I'm talking to God. I don't have to see Him. It's okay that I am alone. It's okay to say this out loud. It's okay to be able to express myself to God. It's not a show. And I don't have to have a forum. I don't have to have people listening or to be around me. Which leads to verse 7 when he says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard by their many words. Uh, to, to put that in a, a phrase, I think, would be, we don't have to be formal. You can just have a conversation with God. There's no special words that you have to say to start and stop a prayer to get it going. You know, you just start having a conversation with God. You don't have to have certain words said to make sure that, oh, now God's paying attention now because he heard a special word here and now that, that grabbed his mind and now, now we've got it. And only when we say certain words, then he'll stop listening. He'll know we're done. We're just talking. And I think that's interesting the way he words that in verse 7 of these empty phrases. Don't think by the constant using of words, the various statements that we might make or babbling certain phrases over and over again, that that's going to cause God to do anything. That's not what God wants. It's not formal like that. It's a discussion. It's a conversation. 
And so our words then don't have to be flowery words, words that we would have never used before in our lives, words that we've heard other people use but don't know what they mean. Uh, we don't do that. We don't have to do that. And you can easily get caught in that. Well, I, I've heard people in my church say these, this, say it this way over and over and over again or use these words. If you don't know what that means, don't say it. <laughs> Just talk to God. No code words, no flowery words, no formality. You're just speaking to him. You're expressing yourself to him. You're having a discussion with him. Which also is interesting about verse 8. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And I know I've read that a lot of times. And I don't know that I've let that one sink in quite right like I should have. He already knows before you ask him. And let's sink that into our minds that... You and I are not informing God of anything. And I know that, but I don't know that I've really let that get into my mind and my heart well enough. When I'm praying to God, it's not an information session as if he is up in heaven saying, I had no idea that that was going on. I'm so glad you told me. And so sometimes we act like that with our sins. We don't want to confess our sins to God. We don't want to talk to God about things that are going on and how we have failed. As if God doesn't know and if I keep those things quiet, He'll never know that I did it. As if He's up in heaven going, I had no idea you were committing those sins. You shouldn't have told me. No. Conversing with Him. We have a discussion with Him. And understand that when we are talking with God... We are not telling him something new. The reason we pray is really for our benefit. The purpose of prayer is not to clue God in that he doesn't know what happened to me today. And so I got to make sure to send up a lifeline to make sure that he's aware of how bad it's been today, how bad I'm feeling, who's sick, who's this and that. That's not the reason. He already knows. So why pray? Because prayer aligns us to God's will. Prayer is what gets our mind aligned to God's purpose and God's will. It's not about me telling God all the things that are happening so that He'll know. It's that I will get myself lined up correctly with God's will. We often pray in a way attempting to get God to align Himself to our will. Here's what I want. Here's the way it should be. You align yourself to the way I want it. That's not what prayer's about. Prayer is about... Here's all the things that are going on in my life. Here are all my difficulties. Here are the situations that need your attention. Now help me get my mind and my life and my heart in tune with what you want. That's what prayer's about. I need to get lined up with God. He already knows what's going on. And it's a way for me then to communicate so that I can get closer to God. I can get my mind around all of my challenges, all of my problems, all the suffering, even the good times. I'm telling him these things so that I can walk the path of godliness. 
not so that I can treat God as a genie in the lamp and I will rub the magic bottle, I will break glass in case of emergency that he will come rushing in and do whatever I want. That's not prayer. That's not what he wants. And that's why I think that verse is so important that I think I've missed when he says that there in verse 8 that he already knows. So understand that he knows and realize the impact of what prayer is doing. It's attempting to get us to be aligned with God so that we can be doing what God's will is so that we can then be ready to say as we will study in the future lessons about it being God's will that will be done, not my will. The purpose of my prayer is not my way or the highway. It's trying to get myself ready for God's will to be done in all of these situations and circumstances that I'm presenting before. And I think that's interesting how he begins. The way is not to pray. Don't pray like it's a show. Don't pray as if it's formal. And don't pray as if God needs to know. We pray differently. We pray in a conversation. We talk to him. And then he goes on now in verse 9, and he says, pray then like this, and that's, that's important. Uh, the model prayer has probably been butchered in so many ways. Oh, uh, nothing, you want to talk about pet peeves. Not, nothing could be more of a pet peeve as than to take verses 9 through 13 and recite it over and over and over again. That violates verse 7. Don't heap up empty phrases. Don't say this stuff over and over and over again mindlessly. Don't do that. Pray like this. Give me an idea of here's how you should pray. And I want us to begin with just the first two words. All that we're going to touch on is the first two words, and the lesson's going to be yours. Our Father. Because I've passed over those words far too many times and not understood the gravity of what Jesus is trying to teach me when he says these things. It is useful to keep in mind and to put into our minds that something that I was, was totally unaware of is that for the Jews, when they address God, there is absolutely no evidence that we can find in any of their writings that they ever addressed God in prayer as their father. Which then, when Jesus would have said these words like this, would have been a startling beginning to the prayer. In fact, a scholar, D.A. Carson, he says the overwhelming tendency in Jewish circles was to multiply titles, ascribing sovereignty, lordship, glory, grace, and the like to God. And that's understandable. Uh, uh, The gracious one, almighty one, creator a sustainer. I mean, we could we could go on and on and on, all knowing, all powerful. I mean, that makes sense. And Jesus could have said, "I want you to pray just like that. I want you to lay out all of those titles and descriptions of His sovereignty and greatness to to do that." And I would have said, "Absolutely." It's startling, though, that Jesus teaches here that we have the, the right to address him as Father. And we would be able to cast this aside except for that word, our. 
I would expect, Jesus could have said, my father, I have this close relationship with him. I have the right to say this. He is my father, but he doesn't do that. He brings the disciples in on the prayer and says, he is our father. He's ours. I, I don't know. I, I would like to be there for a moment and, and wonder what they thought about that. And Jesus said, you can talk to the almighty, all-powerful creator of the universe, sustainer of all things, the giver of all things, as your father. I don't know that I've let that sink into my mind either. (laughs) I don't know that I've fully appreciated what it means when Jesus said those words that I could talk to him as my father. And for me, that really has shaken my life to think about the ability to go before the almighty throne of God, the one who is all-powerful, the one who can do all things, who in just a mere blink could destroy and end all life itself. And I could go before him and say, You're my father, and I want to talk to you. That, I think, is powerful and attempts to get across what Jesus is trying to say is he's trying to invoke a relationship as a child would to his dad. I want you to talk to him in a conversation like he's your father. Talk to him. Discuss things with him. And I think that would have been so jarring to the Jewish mind who apparently never did that. We don't see instructions to call him that in the Old Testament. We see a couple of references to him as a father, but nobody addressing him that way. And Jesus, as he says, okay, I want to teach you to pray. Now, don't do it like this. Don't do it for a show. Don't do it as a formality. Don't do it as if God doesn't know what's going on. Just talk to him like he's your father. Because that conjures up something in my mind different. When I think about talking to my father, when I talk to my father, it's relaxed. It's a discussion. And I can just pour out my heart and talk to him about the things that are going on. I can just discuss things that are happening in my life. And it's just a conversation. It feels natural. It's a natural relationship. And I think Jesus wants us to grasp the intimacy and the closeness of what we have when we talk to God. That we don't have to feel like he's the far away distant God who we are begging to be able to bring in and do something. He's like your father. He's right there. Some have taken that phrase extra. You might have heard some have talked about the word Abba is a reference that Jewish children used for their dad. And so uh, some have suggested what we need to do is go further and understand that when we talk to God, you address him as if like dear daddy. That's always sounded strange to me. I've I've heard that argument a few times and I've always just kind of bristled at that concept. It just, I go, nah. 
And I want us to see an argument against that. While it is true that this Abba, Aramaic word for father, was used by children referring to their father, it is also used of adults referring to their father. And I think we have to be careful that we are not running the risk of irreverence. And that's easy to do, I think, when we start downgrading the language into something like that. I want us to consider that we need to talk to him like a dad... He has authority, but he has the warmth and care and concern of a father. I think there's a balance in that. It's not the extreme where I often picture God as the the Almighty who will barbecue me if I'm not doing exactly right. But it's not the, hey, bud, what's up? How we doing? Just chilling down here. You got things to do? No, no, no. He's still your father. And there's a respect that's due to a father. There's still an authority that is behind a father. It's not, hey, best bud, he's your father. And so I think there's a balance that Jesus is striking here when he says that we can speak to him in this way. And so I believe that it conveys then an authority, but it does convey a close relationship when you are talking about a father. I hope that when you think of that phrase, our father, I hope that resonates to you. I suppose there are some, many, a few who did not have good fathers. And that doesn't resonate very well to speak of God that way. And if that's the case, I hope that you will not think about that relationship, but think about what your father should have been. And understand that here is God as a perfect father who cares about you, who is concerned about you, who wants to act on your behalf and who loves you. And he wants you to understand that you can have that relationship back with him. And some of us are able to appreciate what that means to be able to say, he's my father. And some of us may not be able to. And I hope you'll think about God stands as the perfect father that we are able to go and speak and talk to and have a relationship with. So what that means is a number of things, I think, in using that phrase, our father. And first is that, okay, I don't have to be formal, but I should be respectful. Uh, There are things that I say to God that's very comfortable. I mean, say to my father that's very comfortable, but there are certain lines. There are certain things we don't say to our father. (laughs) We're not going to do that to our earthly fathers. Uh, There are certain boundaries that we understand when we've been uh, a little too loose, a little too flippant. Uh, There's an understanding of there's a proper respect in all that we do and all that we say. But I would want us to consider when we think about this, then how do your children speak to you? Because maybe that helps us understand what God was looking for in our relationship. My kids do not come up to me and say, Oh, dear Father, we beseech thee that you will play games with me and that you will go on this merry trip with us and guide, guard, and direct me. I mean, he doesn't, they don't talk to me like that. It's just a conversation. And that's what Jesus was getting at earlier is it's not a formality. It's not certain code words. Just talk to me. That's what God wants. Just talk to him. Open your heart up and converse with him. 
How does a child talk to the father? That's the relationship and the dynamic that Jesus is drawing out. Here's how I want you to speak to the almighty fathers, just like your father. That's powerful. I can talk to him about anything. It's relaxed. It's a conversation. It's an intimacy. It also means then that it helps us understand what God is doing in prayer. My kids ask me for some strange things from time to time. (laughs) If you've had kids, you know the same thing. Some of them make sense and you're happy to say yes to, and some of them you just like or no way. Uh, My kids will ask me before dinner, okay, we have a banana. Sure. Yes, go ahead. Can we have cake and cookies before dinner? No. (laughs) Absolutely not. No. Can we go to Disney World? Later. (laughs) Not now. (laughs) Those are standard responses. And does not God offer the same kind of responses in our discussions? There are things that are yeses. There are things that are no's. And there are things that, well, we'll just have to wait. And I don't put a time frame on when Disney World is. (laughs) Later. Sometime. Sure, that's a good idea. You have to wait. It makes sense as God a father, as we play our petitions and ask him for things, that he's going to say yes, he's going to say no. We shouldn't be hurt by that when we get no responses. When we ask for certain things and we don't get the answer, sometimes we're just outright devastated. But think as a parent for a minute, sometimes you have to say no to your kids because that's in their best interest. You know better. You know a greater scheme of things that are going on. Their vision of life is so, so small. To them, it's all about right here, right now. Why can't I have cookies right now? It's not a good idea. That's why. There's certain things you're not going to do right now. And we have to understand when we're talking with God, our vision of life and our vision of this world and our vision of the future is extremely short-sighted. God sees all of this laid out in a plan and is able to properly decide yeses, noes, later, not now, just like parents can to their children. I think it's important to see that in in our prayer life. We can become so frustrated sometimes with, with the noes and the waits, but we shouldn't. We should understand that God knows best. God knows better. And he knows what is in our best interest. And he will respond most certainly in that way. It also means that God wants us to talk to him. Even when I'm in the, the depths of deep study and I'm trying to do some deep research on a lesson or for Bible class or I'm doing something like that, it still will put a smile on my face if one of the kids comes walking back there and has something to ask me. And at the moment, I'm like, I am so busy. i got all of these things to do. And you know, Dad, can you play Uno with us? <laughs> well, not right now. I'd love to, but not right now. Am I upset that they ask? No. We should never feel like that we are bugging God when we're talking to him. 
there's nothing too small to be able to ask him. And I'm glad my kids don't comprehend that, you know, uno to dealing with the ins and outs of the depths of Greek language is just, you know, <laughs> two entirely different things. And I'm glad they ask. You suppose God the Father wants us to ask? He wants us to talk to him and treat him in that exact same fashion. He wants our discussion. So many times I think when we think about prayer, we kind of will put filters on it. Well, that's too little. I can't bug him about that. It's got to be something bigger. It's got to be the case of emergency fire. That's the only time I can really talk to God. That's not what he wants. And you see that with Jesus. You don't see some pressing problem that caused Jesus to go to the wilderness to pray. It was just time to talk to God. It was time to talk to the Father. And I think we need to have that same concept in our mind. We're not bugging him. See him as your father. Think of him in those terms. And that will lower the guard down to be able to be more open with him and discuss with him what's going on and explain to him the help that you need or the situation that's arising. I think it's also important to point out right now, since we're spending so much time on fathers, that he is to be addressed that way. He's not mother. He's not a goddess. And that's kind of cropping up these days, is this usage of, well, we're talking to God, Mother God. I don't know if Mother Earth has grown in power and people are talking to that now, but that's a growing trend. Jesus didn't say to do that. Jesus did not say, I'll talk to your mother like this or to our goddess this way. He is our father, and that is the kind of respect that we're supposed to be considerate of when we speak to him and appreciate that authority. And though an intimate relationship, he's an authority. And so we need to respect that. So I think that's important to keep in mind. I'm fascinated. I don't know if this is an equality thing, that we've got to make God be both or whatever. But Jesus told us how to pray. We speak to him as Father. So what I want to leave you with this morning then is that as we traverse these, these passages and we look at the prayer life of Jesus, I hope that we will think about prayer life, I believe, becomes easier when we think of God in terms of that phrase that Jesus began this whole model prayer with, that he is our Father. Because what that should, I believe, resonate to our mind is that we can have a conversation. And that's something I want to do. I want to talk to him. I want to think of him as a father. And I want to be able to talk to him in that way. And I want to respect him that way, but I want to be able to have discussions with him because I know his wisdom is greater than mine. I know that he is uh, understanding and loving and caring. And this is somebody I want to talk with. And open up my life to. And I hope that that idea itself helps us get the idea of what God was wanting for us to do with him. You know, when you talk about your father, you have a desire to be pleasing. And we're going to see that a number of times in Jesus' prayers. Is that he will, again, fall back to. It's going to be what the father's will is, not mine. I want to be pleasing to the father. We are seeking the approval of our Father in Heaven. 
And I think that's important to keep in mind is that, again, prayer is not about God conforming to us, but it's that I want to open up my life to God so that I can conform my life to Him. I want to tell Him what's going on so that I will have a better clarity as to how I can be pleasing to Him, how I can change my life to be what He wants me to be, that my life will fit into His purposes. Not that I'm changing Him, I'm changing me by talking to Him. That, I think, is what God wants us to do. You tell your father what's happening in your life. Talk to him and tell him what's going on. I don't have to wait for disasters to give my, my, my dad a, a call on the phone. Just pick up the, hey, how you doing? Just want to touch base. We need to touch base with our Heavenly Father. We can go so long without talking to God. That's tragic. Why would we wait so long to talk to him? We can go a week without talking to God. We can go a month without talking to God. We can just go on and all that we do is kind of sit here and listen to somebody else talk to God. That's terrible. That's terrible. There is no way that you and I will have a good relationship with God if we are not regularly talking with God. And we may wonder why God might feel so distant from us in our life. We might wonder why things seem like, well, God's not near and I'm going through all these things. How often do you talk to him? Are you trying to draw closer to him? Are you trying to get near him? You turn to your father in times of crisis. Yep. <laughs> when you need some good sound advice and wisdom, he's there. You turn to him and tell him all that's going on. On the same token, you turn to him in the good times. You turn to him in the times of joy and tell him all about that. You seek your father's advice and you father, follow his counsel. I don't know that that would have made as much sense to me before until I had read the Jews never spoke to him that way. Which suggests Jesus was doing something quite radical at this moment when he said, no, no. Yes, I think there's an appreciation and a time and a respect where we always understand, accept, and acknowledge that God is the Almighty One, that He is the Creator of all things. He is the All-Powerful One. We don't deny that, but... Jesus is saying, get close to God, our Father. Talk to Him. It's not a formality. Have a conversation. Speak to Him regularly. Tell Him what's going on. Explain things that are happening in your life. Ask for assistance, conforming your life to His will. We'll look more at this in the upcoming weeks. I appreciate your time this morning. Pull your psalm books out. We're going to sing an invitation song that we invite you to come to Jesus Christ who showed us the way to the Father. It would have been special enough if Jesus was said, said that He had that kind of relationship, but how awesome is it that we can have that kind of relationship with God also? to see Him in that very light, to understand Him to be our Father. But that takes some action on our part. I hope that we will decide that we need to come to God. It is time to obey God with all of our heart, to decide to turn away from a life of selfishness and sinfulness, to decide to live for Him with all of our heart, confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, He is the Son of God, who raised from the dead, 
and then decide that we will submit to God's will to have and have forgiveness of sins by immersing ourselves in water. Why don't you do that this morning? Take the opportunity while we stand and while we sing.